What's good? Welcome back to Off the Dope and Not the Crazy House with Anthony Ray. And of course, you already know, I hope you know, you're listening to Anthony Ray. And I know that you should know by now that I appreciate it. I do. That's why I say it every time. Not because it's a habit, but because I mean it. It is, it's a pleasure to do this. And I mean that to me, it's, like I've said before, it's like journaling. It's, it's like being able to open up a, a loose leaf and jot down how I'm feeling. And it's an added bonus that it gets a chance to help somebody out there if it does. I want everybody to know that I don't feel better than anybody just because I decided to go sit behind my phone and speak into it. Because I decided to start a podcast. I'm not better than anybody and I don't feel that way. I'm not saying that you feel that way. But I'm just letting you know for sure that I don't feel that way. I know that sobriety is not an easy road at first. So I'm not just sitting there talking to you as if I don't know the fact that part of my sobriety was done in a mental institute, so it's a little different. I'm not sitting here telling you that I don't understand that it can be on and off because I've I've battled with this thing since I was a kid, man. Or, or a young or a young man, I would say. Since I was a young man. And I'm just trying to share with you what has changed in my mind. Because I'm telling y'all, once your brain makes the switch, and this is why I feel this way, because I feel like my brain has made a switch. Once your brain does the same, you look at sobriety different. It gets easier. It gets easier. There's there's a time and a place that I would have never ever had the the gumption to come up on here and encourage somebody else to to do to do what I'm asking myself to do right now. There's no way. And since it's just not something that I could have done because I didn't see it. I didn't believe it. I didn't even believe in sobriety, so that's a whole nother thing. Which by the way. I'm just going to throw this in there. About episode number four, there was a girl named Kai Foster I was talking about. Now, I was not aware that I don't have the... We don't share ideas. We don't share opinions when it comes to drugs. But that's all right. She's still an amazing person. But I just wanted to throw that out there so you can't say, Oh, he told me to go listen to Kai Foster and... She has totally different opinions on drugs. But I do agree with her in some of the things that have to do with 
thinking outside of the norms. I believe in that type of thought process. It's 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 so easy for someone to feed you something. But trying my hardest these days not to speak down on any other you know thought process when it comes to this because I'm new to this. So I'm not trying to be big headed about something that I'm just now starting to realize. I just think there's a time when maybe one day I want to get to the point where I no longer am counting the days. My cousin before he passed He was already getting sober And I hadn't yet I was still struggling Hard But he told me He said Well I asked him He said well we was chopping it up And I asked him I said do you uh How are you doing it? Like, how's it working for you? I don't understand. It. Like, I said, what you take it a day at a time? I know that's what they tell y'all. Take it a day at a time. He said, Nah, man, you can't take it a day at a time. You take it day by day, and you counting the days. It makes it take forever. I think about that now, and I believe it's true. I think counting the days. AA does and some other organizations I'm sure it's a way of linking you forever to that day when you were using it makes you feel like your sobriety is something you have to hold up like something over your head that you're keeping covering you Which is not all the way bad Because it works for a lot of people But When you're saying I'm two years sober I'm five years sober Instead of I don't know I just want to get to the place Where I am no longer counting The length of my sobriety Because it's It's just the way I live now It's different I'm not patting myself on I don't want to I want to get to the point Where I'm not patting myself On the back for being sober For a certain amount of time It's no longer like a big thing It's just How I live And that might not be Within the norm Of what we're supposed to believe But I, like I said, I know I'm not any better than anyone else. Just in my mind, I can't wrap my mind around the thought process that I will forever be counting my days of sobriety. 
used to have this old saying that says uh, some towards the lines of you don't get props for doing what you're supposed to be doing. It reminded me so much of the fact that when I was addicted, how I was treated. I was treated like a child. Especially when I lost control of my finances and eventually my mind. But once you lose track of your life, you lose a grip on your life. It's like everybody knows it. So nobody treats you like a grown person anymore. I actually remember at one point I had finally gotten insurance on my car. So my mom, she was kind of like, where you coming from? So oh, no, no, I just went to get insurance on the car. She said, good job, good job. And in my mind, I'm thinking, it done got bad. It done got bad. I've never needed, I've never gotten a round of applause for getting my car insured. Nobody gives a round of applause to my mama or my brother or, you know, my, my, my dad or my, my uncle or my neighbor or whatever for getting, for doing what they're supposed to be doing. I knew I had dropped the rung on the whole hierarchy of life. I had regressed back to childhood. what it does to you that's why I don't really believe there's any pros that I can think of to the drugs yes I do believe that drugs do open a different part of your brain I've said this before but what are the real pros I mean what are they I know what you're gonna say the sex is good Sex is better The problem with that is that Sex is already good without it Some people would argue that Sex might be One of the greatest feelings you can have on earth In any species But It's not just It can be better Yeah But is that really a pro when it's already good Alone Matter of fact over time it might make you impotent. It also makes you quick, by the way. <laughs> you might be able to go many times, but it's a quick time. Quicker than normal. I know that. Some people say that it's a pro because it makes you feel good. Yeah, until you feel bad. It make you feel both. That's the misconception too That drugs just make you feel good I think we co- we correlate drugs To feeling good As people who are who, who have been addicted When we're addicted that's how we're correlated We're not going no Drugs actually make you feel bad 
That's why we don't drink bleach. Because it'll kill you. You know, we don't drink or eat certain things that don't make us feel right. We correlate it to the negative side of it. But we don't do that with drugs. You can even correlate sweet foods to being overweight. might taste good but you also know that it does this and you correlate that if you have a clear mind and if you have some self-control but with the drugs I think I was always in the state of I just want to feel good at that time but really by the end I always felt bad every time it was never I don't know why it was such a it was it's not even a surprise. It's just like you accept the fact that you're going to feel bad. But the truth of the matter is, the drug-free life is just... I never thought I'd say this, but it's better. I mean, think about it. Financially, when you're not using, Better. Because that money's coming from all kind of places. You end up losing stuff because you're using that. Your mind is better. When I think back to where my mind was at them times, I can't even express to you how messed up my head was. And I know some people got out there. Where my mind was just toasted. Toast. I mean, I'm, I'm, I cut hair too, so I remember I done put all kind of stuff in my head. I done cut horns into my head at one point and went just going around like it's nothing. Cut horns into my head. I'm, I'm tripping. That's the mentality So your mind is better When you're drug free Sometimes Have you ever been um, Have you ever gotten High And You came down And on the other side As you You know how when you When you're all the way down Like That down feeling Like that suit, Like the world Just feels heavy you feel sad and down and inside the depression hits you and it starts to lift and you get your reg like a feeling like, like when it actually goes away and, and all the it's like all the drug is out your system and you feel like it feels like a regular day almost y'all know what I'm saying maybe I'm the only one who felt no, I doubt it <laughs> I know you know what I'm saying Start feeling like it's not that that feeling. It's it's how you know that the mental of being off of it is better than being on it. It's always fun at first. Just think about being free. I know how we always think that drugs make you feel free. Is that true or not? I don't. It reminded me of when I went into. I went into CVS the other day. 
Well, no, it was Dollar, it was Dollar General. Just to pick up some toiletries and stuff like that. When I walked up to the counter, I seen all the cigarettes in the back. And I remembered in my mind, I said, man, there was a time when the reason why I came to a place like this was for the squirrels. <laughs> I was coming in here to get a black and mild. Pack of those two kind of black and miles when they come in a pack of two, or I was going to get a pack of Mar I mean not Marlboro, Camel Menthol, Crush in a box. Or if I didn't have any money at all, that, that much money anyway, I was trying to decide which one of those cheap packages that I had never smoked before <laughs> was gonna be decent enough to buy. I wanted to make the right decision because I had never smoked it. So you don't, you know, you know it's gonna be bad, but how bad? I just felt good at that at that moment. I felt good that I didn't have to make that decision anymore. That I didn't have to make a decision between buying this or buying some cigarettes when I was down on my on my luck, on my last. Which the real answer to that, of course, is it's a financial issue, which is probably a laziness issue. It's a work ethic issue. But all that goes with the, right, it goes with the drugs. So it's like, even that is better. Not to mention the fact that as a person, you're just more attractive to be around. And when I say attractive, I mean not outward. I mean like magnetism. In some ways, like you're easier to be around. And I've said it before, we're difficult. Sometimes when we on the drug, especially depending on how long you've been up, or you know what it was that you used, or how much you used it, you change. What anybody says If you want something You're not you, you a little bit different People can tell And it's not all about What people can tell either Don't get me wrong Like It's not It's about Being the best you You know you can be The worst thing I hated About the drug was this It made me super emotional Emotion is good Don't get me wrong but it was unstable emotion. I was all over the place. I'm all over the place. I couldn't control my temper. Like, couldn't control my sadness. Maybe mad for, for a little bit of nothing and sad for a little bit of nothing. Had a problem with boundaries. Not realizing that. Walking away at that time was a viable option of some of the things that were going on. Not in my right mind. And honestly, that's not the right energy, in my opinion, for, for a male. For a man. To be all over the place like that. It, it's bad energy, man. No composure. It's... Bad energy. 
but it's all better to me when you that's why I say it's better to be just free of all that even my relationships with my son are better he like open up he opens up to me I'm it established the relationship between us the right way. When I was in that mental institution, my time in there let me know that one thing I didn't want to lose was my mind. When I was in there, I had to decide, I had to make an honest decision, a straightforward decision, a clear decision to retain my mind and to control myself. Because when you're in there, in the mental institution, which is, like I've said, a branch of the prison and jail system that Nobody really talks about It's unspoken about or, or very little is spoken about it And I didn't know that it was part of that arm Until I went through this situation Keeping your mind is It's the best pro of all When it comes to Is it better to be on it or off it Keeping your mind Because you can really end up in one of them places One of the mental institutions And I'm not trying to scare you straight It's not what I'm trying to No That's No I'm just being 100 I I know for a fact In a mental institution What it was like for me was I was actually blessed In some ways think that they, like I said, could tell that I wasn't like some of the other people that were there when it came down to where my mental state was, as far as mental state is concerned. By that time, the fog had lifted, so to speak, from me. So I was getting more back to my regular self, because you got to remember, I had been locked up for quite some time waiting on all this stuff. And when I first went... I went to an all-male unit. So in the all-male unit, it's like any other male unit. Just kind of, kind of fill the place out and just chill. See what, you know, see what, what, what comes forth. Pay attention type of thing. So when I first got there, Walked into my room, which was normally a four bedroom, four bed, four beds in a room, four guys in the room. But at this point, I think it was only two. There was a guy who couldn't walk, who every now and again would just scream out, "War Trey!" He would he would just blurt stuff out, but he couldn't walk. He had messed his legs up. Would also blurt every now and again the N word real loud. He was, a, he was tripping. 
when I would I would later come back and I would be in another unit with the same guy and he was actually really really chill he was skinny when I first seen him by the way I'm talking about much underweight and he never left that bed too often but later on in the next unit I was in when I would see him later because remember that I, I in order for me to when the NGR the way the NGRI worked was that I was sent from jail to over there that's when I went to the mail unit then they sent me after competency because they had to find out whether or not I knew the laws and teach the laws to us and all that to see if we could stay in trial. When they find you competent to stay in trial, they send you back to jail. That's where they have the trial. So they found me not guilty by reason of insanity and they sent me back to the same place again. So that's why I have, I was in two different units. A lot of times they'll just have you, well, people do move around different units depending on what they've done or what, what the needs of the institutional and what they desire to do as far as room is concerned so I would see that guy later on and he would have his weight up he wouldn't be talking crazy like that I never heard him say that again I never heard him use the n-word ever again he would actually come sit down and talk to me and he'd be real chill He was actually in his right mind. And that's one of the things that was amazing to see when I was there is that you would see people go from this to that. They would go from uncontrolled to chilling. I've seen some bad things in there too, but get to that. But So he was in the room when I first walked in over to the side. When I walked in, the first thing I noticed after I noticed him was that on the wall above the empty bed where I was going towards, there was crayon writing all over the walls. Crosses, um, somebody had wrote an OG something all over the wall. Um, the words, um, what was the word? Uh, Lust demon and ha 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 ha, like the Joker, all over the wall. And, pen, and, and crayon, and crayon. So when I looked over to the other side, around from the other side of the bed, there was a guy there, and he was he had pulled his bed out from the wall and had laid between the bed and the wall and made like a little area to sleep in with his covers and all that. And he was sitting there with these headphones on. They give everybody headphones in there because some people in there hear voices, so it helps them to deal with the noise. And it's just, it's, it's good for that. But it's also just cool to pass the time. It helps. The music helps a lot. Thank you, music people out there. I'm telling you, music can help heal. And so he was sitting there and he's laughing to himself. And he's talking to the voices in his head in between laughing and he's tripping hard. his eyes closed he don't even know I'm there so I just kind of get my stuff and I go on into the lobby and kind of try to figure you know figure out the ropes figure what's going on 
you can imagine when you're in a place like this, that was kind of my introduction, but there were all these kind of disturbing, it's disturbing to be there, it's unnerving. It's just like in jail, there's a lot of chaos, but in here, the chaos is, is unstable chaos. You know, you think that some people in jail, most people in jail, they actually, they, they are right in the mind. There are some messed up people, don't get me wrong, but in here you can guarantee that most of them is messed up. So the whole time I'm in there, you just, especially if you're not all the way gone or you're not gone at all at the time, like, throw it. I mean, I'm looking up and it's a guy just standing in the middle of the floor. He got his eyes closed, he's stiff as a board. Just standing there, like that. Then he opened his eyes, take a few steps and do it again. You got somebody else there pacing around, pacing around, back and forth. <laughs> talking to the voices in their head, which by the way, he's cussing at them and saying racist things to the to the voices in his head. He ain't talking to nobody in general, he just to whatever's in his head. Had another guy that came in. Big, tall, lanky guy. And when he came in, you could tell he was under drug psychosis real bad. He couldn't stop talking. Wouldn't sit down. And wanted to fight every PNA in there. And of course, the PNAs are like the COs, kind of, of... I don't know if I said that before, but they're like the COs of jail, but for a mental institution. So... He wanted to fight them all just for no reason. He was just throwing. He was tripping. And I really, I won't say for no reason. He was hungry. And I think he got there in between meals. Which I'm pretty sure they fed him something. But he was underweight. And I mean, he was like 6'4. But he had to be like a buck 60 or, you know, a buck 70 and that tall. I would see him later on too when I came back the second time. After the NGRI was put down on me, he would be the chillest person that you ever knew. He was nothing like that. Matter of fact, every time I seen him after that, he was quiet and reading a book. I asked him, I said, So, you know. Tell me about like where you from and you know what's just you know so he kind of started talking to me and I said so how did you end up you know homeless and stuff because you know he had told me that he had used to go to school and he was real smart and he played basketball you could see it in him too like he had that type of swag like a hooper an old school hooper. And he told me, he said, well, I kind of got into partying. I think, think basketball didn't work out or something like that. So he kind of, he went to college and he started partying out there and it never stopped. He said he ended up just taking it too far. And I happened to ask him, I said, so what happened after that? He, he said, well, I got lazy. That's what he told me, he got lazy. is important 
Because I know that that's a lot of what the drug does too. Because it'll make you feel like you got all this energy or even that some of the downers do this. You know, like after you pipe a hydrocodone, like I pop one of those in. I'm thinking I got energy. But for some reason, it was never energy to, to really get something positive done. I didn't do the things that I needed to be doing. I was always doing stuff I wanted to be doing. You know, pop pills and at that time go play video games or go make music or... It was never something that in my mind that was like, I need to go be productive to provide for more than just myself and my own fun. It was wasted energy. I was just going to find a way to get more of that stuff, to get more energy, to come back and get some more later. Just a circle. So he ended up telling me, he said, yeah, I got lazy and just stopped working. But he still had dreams and stuff. I found out about a lot of these people. They still have things they want to do. I said he went from wilding out to reading books, chilling. This happened. I would see this a lot in there. There were people in there that I became cool with who is from other units because part of the things that you could do was move around. To move around, you would have to go to class. Class was the only way you could get up out of that building. You either go to class or go to rec. Now rec was co-ed and so was class. So that was one of the other things you would go. Just to be around women. Number one. If you, when I first went especially. Now the other unit I was in it was co-ed so it was different. Now everybody there you basically had the clothes you had, but they did have a little store there where you could go pick up two or three items. I ended up working at that store. That's where I wanted to work, and I got blessed to be able to work in there. So I was able to, you know, get things I needed. Those people were nice to me there. They showed me love. There were times where I, I, I had... I had things to say because I still do believe that there's mistreatment in all of these facilities because like I said it's a branch of the jail system they don't teach these people all of the things they need to know as far as well I'm not going to say don't teach them what I'm going to say is they don't they're not looking for certain traits when they're hiring people to work there they're not looking for patience. They're not looking for that. So, many times you'll just see overworked. They're over, they work long hours. And it's just, sometimes the attitudes are bad. Some people in there shouldn't be working there. That's just the bottom line. It's a lot of people in there that should not be working there. They have no business around people like that. And I think many of them forget that 
there's those people in there or they got families everybody is somebody something and and these there's certain people in there that feel like because you're tucked away and you're hid away just like the people in the jail the CEOs and stuff in there they're getting away with abusing people and doing wrong to people you think that nobody ever gonna find out because they're hid away but how sadistic is that and you get mad because people acting out they would get mad some of them that people were acting out on a regular basis now these people work there a long time so they should be somewhat used to it but I know what some people would say is nah they should be tired of it by that time I guess that's up for debate I think they should be more used to it it's just part of the job especially if you've been working there for double digit years even if you've been working there for three to five years you know that that's what the job is like this is what people do they're not in their right mind don't trip on them not personal this person is in a psychotic trance of sorts but back to what I was saying it's just something I really feel passionate about I, I don't understand the mindset of some people even in the jail system and in that system and in the institutional system when I was in there I had things to say about that there was actually a lady in the cafeteria and she was standing there talking about us, the, the, the patients, like we weren't I'm tired of these patients. They get on my, you know, and they want to da, 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 talking to us like, now we patients. Because mind you that these places, they make money. Do you know how much it costs to stay in a mental institution for one day? The one I was in, over $800 a night. They're charging. That's what they charge. If you went in there with no insurance and they decided to charge you, you would be getting charged $800. Now, have you ever been to an $800 a night hotel? I haven't. So you got to tell me what you got to tell me what it's like. You know, you got to tell me what it's like. I know it ain't. I know it's not. I know it's not as nice as. I mean, I know it's nicer than where I was. Much nicer. Linoleum floors and... The food makes you fat. The food itself bloats you up. Since I've been out of there, my gut just went down. There was a, there was people in there, women in there, who I thought were pregnant. They weren't pregnant. They had been standing there so long. When you stand there long enough, your, your belly just distends. People in there who can't use the restroom. It's the food they feed you. Now this is all on, this ain't the class side of the room, it's two different sides. See on the class side of the room is where you meet a lot of the people who care a lot. Now there are people on the other side as well, the unit side, that are in there with the people who where you live and all that, kind of where the PNAs and all that are at. Who are cool too I met a lot of cool ones Man they held me down Ain't gonna lie Just you know Everything is people 
Sometimes it's the wrong people, that's all I'm saying. A lot of the times it be the wrong people that decide to work a job with people that have no business doing it. But I'm not going to get on that again. <laughs> you can tell I care about it. But when you're on the other side, you're going to classes and you're learning in there. And that's why I chose to go to those classes because I still believe that learning is important. It's an, it's an important part of this whole thing. Because... What is an addict or a person that I like to say a person who's addicted at the time? There's somebody who has repetitious bad behavior or negative behavior. We call it negative. So he's repeating negative processes, not learning nothing new. Like I was saying, when I was on the meth, I would go to do the same thing every time. I would just go. Do the same. I want to go make music for three days and sit there. I want to watch porn. You know, <laughs> that's about it. You know what I mean, I want to make stuff in the house, do stuff like that, and go back and forth between the, the people I could find who had it. That was about it. Maybe to the corner store. My whole, my whole world shrunk. It just shrunk. I didn't need everything. I just needed these few things. So my learning level went down too. Yeah, I was absorbing new information through YouTube and stuff like that, but not really. I was watching the same things over and over. I was trying to find peace instead of having it. I was trying to learn stuff instead of learning it. Everything was... Sure, it felt like even though everything might have been interesting in some kind of way but it was still a chore but I was glad to be there in that class when I was in those classes because it was time to get away from that unit when you're on the unit you got people in there that are out of their minds so the truth of the matter is you're trying to do you're trying to chill and it's hard to chill. You got people in there who who are unkempt. You know, they might be fresh off the street, so they smell like it. They might be afraid to go take showers because of one reason or another. Um, might be because they're just, they don't believe in taking showers. It could be because they have some type of trauma in their life and they're afraid to go in there. Or they've never been there and they think something's going to happen to them. Um, paranoia. Be a million things, but you gotta deal with that smell. You gotta deal with the people there. The smells in there are strong. I ain't gonna lie. But what's crazy is to be able to what's 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 cool is to look up and be able to see people change. I've seen a girl in there who came in and she, you could tell she had been out there. I mean, she looked real frayed around the edges. And it's rough. As time progressed, I'm like, dang, she fine. She just, life came back to her. <laughs> it happened to the best of us, you know? When we were out there, you know, you watch yourself shrink, shrivel, 
so it's saddening to see when you see it in yourself. But those things do come back. I was watching a story about Walter White, matter of fact. If you don't know who Walter White is, Walter White is the real guy from Breaking Bad. It's who Breaking Bad is about. And they go through his story. And he, he, he makes it real clear that it wasn't all good. What he went through wasn't all good. They were bad and good times. Yeah, the money and all that was good, but he does say a few times that he had good and bad memories. And he was going to trial. He ended up being sent to this place called The Foundry, which is in Alabama where he's from. Which is a place like that or, you know, like different places like around the way where people go and, you know, try to get clean. Kind of like one of them safe zone places I was telling you about that where I'm at. And um, he slowly got a chance to have his family. Remember in the move, in the in the TV show series um, or the HBO series or whatever it was on. He messed up his family life. He destroyed his time with his family. His, his relationship with his family. Well, in real life, that really happened. But as he started to clean up his life, preparing for going to face trial, hoping to beat it, he started to reconnect those bonds with his family. Say if you love something, let it go, and if it returns, you know the rest. I think that's true. Some of the things we lost out there needed to be lost. I feel that way. I always said to myself, I said, man, if you really want to know who messed with you, just mess around and don't call nobody. And see who call you. Them the people that mess with you. It's true. But you start to get things back. Things start coming back. Because in real life, there are positive things to be had. I believe that it leads to regular roads, like positive roads. We all know that everything that has to do with that don't lead nowhere but a few places unless you're lucky but out here there's more avenues to get to a positive place can we at least agree on that but things start coming back you know your skin is gonna heal up You know, your relationships with your children can be mended. Anything broken can be fixed. Now, you might not get your teeth back. <laughs> I'll be real about that one. But with today's science and technology, you might get a whole, a pair, you can get a pair of teeth now that's better than the teeth you got. Better than what you had in the first place. All this stuff can be fixed. No reason to be hopeless. 
That's how I feel. This is the point right here where I'm supposed to be talking about the two things I always say, or the thing I always say, which now I turned into two. So I do want to encourage everybody right here to meditate and exercise. But I also want to tell you this. You don't have to start in no big way. Remember that this right here is just a positive addiction. That's what I do. That's what I did. It's a positive addiction. So it's an addiction. Working out and meditating become addictive habits. I want you to know that. But they're positive. They don't they, they don't lead to anything bad. Matter of fact, the more you do them, the more beneficial. So that's totally different than the other one. The more you do it, the more it destroys your life. The more it, you know, calcifies your chest or whatever, your lungs, and crystallizes your lungs. And the more it, you know, the closer, the, the more of a chance you have of getting cancer or whatever it might be. The less synapses you have in your brain and all that stuff. Now it's different. On here, it's different. It strengthens all that. And the more you do. Not only that, but the better you feel about yourself, you'll see the change in a positive way. But you don't have to start off doing a thousand of this or 200, you know, like I was telling you, I was doing sets, eight sets of 25. I forgot what I didn't tell y'all too, was that there was a time where I was doing four of those sets in the morning and four in the, you know, in the evening. I had split them up at first, you know, like, at first I split it up because I couldn't do them all and I didn't even think that I could. So it was only four sets of 25, four sets of 25 in the evening. Because remember, when you first start working out, it's just like any other addiction. You remember the other addictions too, you know, think about it. When you first smoked a cigarette, did it taste good? Hell no. I know it didn't for me. I first smoked the Marlboro White. A Marlboro Light. I said Marlboro White. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking about who I got it from. My partner. But a Marlboro Light. And it was disgusting. But I kept on forcing it down my throat so that I could feel better when I was having a beer. And eventually... Smoke didn't taste so bad. I couldn't even smell it. Remember? Remember that? Remember when you had your first beer? Did it taste good? Hell no. Ain't no way it tasted good. Unless you had something different than I had. It becomes an acquired taste after you. You have to, you have to practice those, those things. You gotta practice drinking before you become alright with the taste. It's not naturally taste, tasty. It don't naturally taste good. I mean, what about the first time? Now, there was other drugs your first time you might have loved and enjoyed it. Right? But contrary to popular belief, meth don't taste good. It's an acquired, it's chemical. It just, but at, 
you know, it becomes an acquired taste after a while. These things. When I first popped uh, hydrocodones, or, or, or if you did, like, when I first popped hydrocodone, it hurt my stomach. It hurt. It made my stomach feel horrible. I threw up. It wasn't until after I threw up that I felt I ate. I threw up a lot of times taking it. My body had to go through it before the good came. The good, quote unquote. And I'm saying the, with that quotes in the air. Good. Because they were still followed by some more bad after that. I just want to throw that out there. But the good feeling part. Because I'm not going to sit here and act like there, there was never a good feeling to it. Or I wouldn't have been addicted to it. I liked it. Right, but remember that it took time to build up to liking these things. It took time, and it's the same way with positive addiction. You can inch your way into these things, like instead of doing those as many as I was saying, try this try working out with time instead of reps, so you don't have to do 25. Or 100 or whatever it is Or thousands Or whatever it might be All you gotta do is Do it for time When you first start now So Do Start off with maybe Four sets of 30 seconds a piece When you do Whatever you're doing If you decide to work Like I would work my whole body Maybe five days a week at first Just to get acclimated into it But whatever it is If you decide to do arms that day Or you do You know Do 30 seconds a piece Whatever parts you work, do that four times with a little bit of rest in between each one or no rest if you feel like you can handle it. And then as time progresses, you go to five sets and and you can raise the time. So now you can do or you can go up 10 seconds a week. So now you're going four sets, 40 seconds next week. Then after that, you do 50 seconds, you know, or you can jump bigger. You understand what I'm saying? You ain't got to do a whole lot, just something. Same thing with meditation. I already explained that to you. The more you practice quieting your, you know, the more you practice shutting your mind up, the easier it gets, the more quiet you can get over a period of time. At first, it's, it's not that easy to do. You'll have stuff running through your mind, but after a while, after, after many, 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 many days or months of doing it, you start to... Be, be able to flex that mental muscle. I think that's giving me the five minute mark. <laughs> but you be able to flex that mental muscle, just like anything else. I just want y'all to know that like it's possible. All this stuff is just possible. And I want you to know this too. Like I'm not infallible or nothing like that. If you. I don't even feel that way I'm really on here just Sharing What I've learned And what's working for me Because I'm honestly telling you I want to get to the point Where How many days I've been sober Don't matter Because I already made the decision To keep my mind Because that's the real decision we making here That's why I was talking about the mental health hospital 
or that's what I learned from being at the mental health hospital. If you have the opportunity to make a decision to keep your mind, man, you man, I'm telling you, you need to make that decision. Keep your mind. Keep it. Don't risk it. For what? Because you think something expanding your mind. Now let me tell you, man. Anybody ever heard of a man named Anton LaVey? I think his name was. He thought he was the evilest man on earth. Y'all remember him? This man used drugs to, like you said, expand his mind. He thought it was going to help him in his magic and in his you know, occult activity. He died just like any other drug addict. Broken alone. And strung out. It's not just opening your mind. But you got to worry about Your mind opens when you learn it. You can open your mind without that. I'm telling you. I've tried all this. Like, I, I feel you. Just open some portion of your mind, but what do you got to give up? Anyway, I'm just saying it's all possible, man. And don't let nobody trick you into believing that any of this stuff that don't make sense to you. It don't make sense. Don't let anybody trick you in there. Don't let them trick you. That's all I can say. Um, I appreciate y'all's time hearing me out. And like always, I want to wish each and every person out there peace and paper. Peace.